the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people find the real life they were created for, and that's according to John 10.10. That's where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Real life is found in an active daily relationship with God, and Jesus came to make that relationship possible because it's all about Him. If you're ready for a good Bible study in the book of Philippians, that's where Pastor Sean picks up in this series called Under Construction. The message is called Perspectives on Adversity. By the way, you can follow along with an outline to this message that's posted at reallife.org, where you'll also find an archive of over 100 sermons. Let's get right into this message, and this is Real Life Radio. Now, I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard. Now, we're talking about the Praetorian guard, the Roman guard, the royal guard. These are extremely connected, influential guards who guarded Caesar, his officials, the key military posts. Throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. You see, he listed two new things. There's been a new occurrence, a whole new audience for the gospel, and there's been a new perspective, kind of a new boldness that the other brothers are carrying out with. And the new occurrence, for example, wouldn't have happened had he not been in prison. You understand, Paul is sitting there. He's chained to a guard, which was common. There would be a guard chained to him. There would be a guard outside. And, you know, you ever been sitting on an airline uh, in an airline with someone who likes to chat a lot and you're wanting to get some sleep you know you know the feeling that's how the guards start to feel because paul's like so what's your name have you heard about jesus oh good we've got time i mean really and and the guards sitting there dear lord but but eventually something begins to happen these guards start to be convinced hey wait something's different this guy's not a crazy radical he's not a terrorist he's not any of these things Paul says they're starting to see I'm in change because of Christ. And they begin to hear. Some historians and theologians believe that this Praetorian guard, there became believers among them because of Paul's imprisonment. And that they may have been influential within about 250-some, 300 years. The Roman emperor Constantine becomes a believer. And they believe it may have been because of this work that happened among the Praetorian guard who were most connected to the royal family. All because Paul was in prison and in change. And Paul's pointing out, had I not been here, that never would happen. That's the rest of the story. He also says some of the brothers are now taking up with more boldness. This has caused them to see, hey, wait a minute. We can't put our confidence in what's happening here. They started to look at life differently and they started to speak up more boldly. Paul says that wouldn't have happened if I weren't here. This is the rest of the story. Verse 15. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. What does it matter? What a phrase. 
need to make note of that. But what does it matter? He's in prison. He's in chains. There are people trying to make him look bad by the way they are carrying out ministry. What does it matter? You know what Paul's saying there? It's not about me. It's not about me. Remember that series we did? It's not about me. What a great perspective. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Paul's saying, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And yes, there are people who have bad motives and they're doing ministry for bad motives. I'll tell you, as a pastor, as a minister, that bugs me. Okay, I'm kind of a justice guy. Okay, and it's not that I, I, I like giving grace. I love giving grace where there's appropriate repentance, where hearts have been made right, where we can move on properly. But when there's not, it's like, I'm like, but that's unjust. You remember what I, what I shared a, a number of weeks ago in the uh, Passing the Stress Test series? There was one little line that says, leave justice to the judge. Remember, Paul wrote Romans, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. I got to go back and read the last line. Yes, I will continue to rejoice because the next verse, verse 19, which is a key verse. You should underline this verse if you have it in the notes there, or if you have it in your, your copy of scriptures, circle something, make note of this. This is a key verse. This is why this is possible. This is why this is why this is not just positive mental attitude. OK, this is not just Paul being positive, stiff upper lip kind of thing. OK, he says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Another translation says, through your prayers and the supply given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's really what that word was used for in the original language. It was a word that was commonly in Paul's day used to talk about an amount of money that, that drama troops, choral troops would pray the, pay these Greek dramatists and, and singers. And it was enough to take care of all their needs. They were just kind of kept people. They were kept. All their needs were taken care of, housing, all the stuff. And so this phrase, my, the supply of the Spirit, meant everything that I need through your prayers and the Spirit providing everything that I need, I know this will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope. Really, that's the key theme of this whole section here. I expect and hope. I know I'm in jail. I know things are bad. But I have hope and expectation because of what he just said. Prayers, the work of the Spirit. I expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want you to read that as though for the first time. We've heard that phrase. It's so common in Christian circles. It's like, oh, yeah, what a, what a cool thing. Yeah, Paul, say it again. It's good. Picture you're reading it for the first time. And it's like your friend and guy who helped launch your church that you care about. And you're starting to feel some persecution. And it's kind of getting close to home. It's getting real. And he writes, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. He doesn't just stop there. He kind of expounds on it. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Ooh, Paul understood something that I think evades a lot of us folks. I desire to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. But I care about you and I think you still need some help and I still think I can be an encouragement. 
Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for, the, your, for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary that I remain with you. This, he's torn. And this is not just flowery words. This is, he's really torn. Man, death. To be with Christ, eternity. Do you, do you see the difference? Paul saw something totally different. He looked at things differently. There's a great book called Tuesdays with Maury. If you haven't read it, you should get it and read it. It's written by a guy named Mitch Album, who's a sports writer, who was asked to, he kind of began to have conversations with an old college professor who was kind of a mentor to him, named Maury Schwartz. And Maury had a terminal illness and was dying. And Mitch would travel from another city every Tuesday to just meet with Maury and because Maury wanted to write down some of the things he was learning about death through the process. Now, I don't think Maury was a Christian that I, that I know of. Maybe he was. It doesn't specifically lay that out in the book. But I will tell you, he stumbled on some very powerful Christian truths. And one of them was, was this. I want to I say it right. He said, when you learn how to die, you learn how to live. And that's true. Do you know why? And what he was pointing out was so often the fear of death keeps us from really living. You ever thought about that? The fear of death and, and its various forms, okay? You know, all, all fear kind of stems down from that. Fear of death is like the ultimate one, okay? All the others kind of stem fear of what people will think. Fear of not having enough. Fear of physical harm coming to me or my family. All the, all the fears. When you learn to die, you learn to live. Because you create, Maury talks about this detachment. And, and, he, and he's not talking about not living life to the fullest. What he's talking about is you just detach yourself from the fear because you begin to understand, okay, death is inevitable here. And Paul has a totally different take on that and we're going to talk about that in just a minute but his view of death his view of life was so different that he recognized death is just this transition to really the cool part of life not that this part isn't great because that's why he's torn he's torn between it but he so understands death differently that's some powerful stuff He's got an eternal perspective on things. This is what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians verse 4. This was a pretty personal book where he was writing a lot about kind of his own personal journey. And there's some great stuff in it, 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to start reading verse 16. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. This is Paul who had been multiple times beaten and imprisoned. Paul, who was a wanted man. This is Paul, who'd been deprived, hungry. Our light and momentary troubles. I love that. It's not that he's being, you know, flippant here. Listen to what he says. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. In comparison, and here's the secret, verse 18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is deep stuff, folks. Verse 19 is the whole key. I know through your prayers and the help, the supply given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened will turn out for my deliverance. See, he saw supernatural resources being released in the natural world 
There are supernatural resources that can be released here in the natural world. It was at Alamo Cafe this week. We took some guys who were, were some consultants who were working with us on, uh, on some database stuff and some technical things, and we took them to lunch at Alamo Cafe. Ran into Victoria Flores. Now, Randall and Victoria Flores moved south of town. They used to attend church here. Great friends, absolutely love them, but it's a really far drive now. So they're going to a church closer to where they live. They drop by once in a while. They're dear, dear friends. But I hadn't seen Victoria in months. She runs up to me at Alamo Cafe. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I ran into. I have been fasting and praying and I keep asking God, who do you want me to fast and pray for? He keeps saying you, Sean. You know how that makes me feel? You know what I told you last week about this last nine months been some of the hardest of my life as far as just the work and as far as what we've been going through. To know that it's not about just me. It's not about just us, but that God is there. And to know that Father put me on someone's heart who lives now an hour or so away. And he put me on her heart and said, fast and pray for Rosaro. Do you know he's doing that for you? There's people praying for you? It is not just up to you. Supernatural resources bursting into the natural world. Power of prayer and the work of the Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about. And as we pause, this might be a great time for you to say a quick prayer for someone that you know that God's laid on your heart. What a difference that could make in your friend's day right now. We'd also like to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, as we take this short break in this message called Perspectives on Adversity with this study in the book of Philippians. And you can find this message at reallife.org under the sermon's archive link. Plus, see all the upcoming events happening at River City Community Church, including the details on a live simulcast featuring Beth Moore. It's happening on April 24th called So Long Insecurity. Again, all the information is at reallife.org. We'll be right back. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more, almost as though something is missing? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel they're settling for a whole lot less than real life. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better, we call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us on this journey to discover the life we were made for. We're located one half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and Jones Maltzberger. Sundays we meet at 8, 9.30, and 11.15 a.m. River City, New Braunfels meets at the McKenna Event Center on San Antonio Street at 10.30 a.m. Together we enjoy great music, practical teaching, and ministries for all the kids. For more information, check us out on the web at reallife.org. We look forward to seeing you on the road to real life. Welcome back, and we return to this message from Pastor Sean Azaro called Perspectives on Adversity. And this is Real Life Radio. And if there's anything I want you to remember, this is it. This is the main point. Write it down. The secret to facing adversity is remembering that adversity doesn't get the final word. That's it. The secret to facing adversity is remembering adversity doesn't get the final word. Paul lists a couple specific things. He said difficult circumstances. Number one, difficult circumstances don't get the final word. Okay, prison, chains, they don't get the final word. Nope, God does. Put me in prison, put me in chains. Fine, those Roman soldiers next to me, they're going to hear about Jesus. And eventually some of them are going to begin to believe. There's a very dangerous pattern if we let difficult circumstances have the final word. Discouragement takes over. We become tempted to give up. We'll also miss significant opportunities that God has for us if we quit, if we get discouraged because of 
difficult circumstances. We saw that with this church once before in a similar type place to where we are right now. We were much smaller in the little metal building up the road, and we needed property desperately. We were we were packed. It was worse than it is now. Parking, kids' space, our room. It wasn't really an auditorium. It was just a room, a big room that we met in. was packed, multiple services, and we didn't have the money for anything. And we were just praying, Lord, what is it? And, and another church in town, right, very close by, put their property up for sale because they were moving. And so we heard about it. We went and we got with our denomination, who at the time was very able and willing to help us. It wasn't a huge amount, and they were glad to help back that up and help loan us those resources and so we went to them we made an offer which was a fair offer we had a letter of support from our denomination and they turned us down and took less money from a health club and we were bummed we're like dudes thanks for the professional courtesy appreciate it i mean seriously it was it was a bummer health club bulldozed it made a parking lot sweet I mean, that was that was a very discouraging thing to have happen, and we could have said, "Okay, that's going to have the day," and become so discouraged. And we well, let's quit. Whatever, we're not going to do anything. Blah blah blah. No, instead we prayed, and it was through that that we met the folks who were here at a small church called Christ Redeemer, and God did an amazing miracle and brought those two churches together. And some of the best friends and co-ministers of our lives are now part of this church because of that and this property God provided for us and this building that we're in here was now made possible. All of that was made possible because circumstances, difficult circumstances, didn't get the final word. God did. And had we let circumstances define it, we would have missed it. We wouldn't have been open to what God was doing. And I don't know what your circumstances are, okay? I'm going to meddle just a little bit here, but you do have them. You have difficult circumstances. If you don't right now, thank God, because you will. Okay? It's the way it works, right? You know that. If, you, if you're over like six years old, you know that. Most six-year-olds will say, no, I got it hard too, Sean. I got it tough. <laughs> the preschools. Man. Whew. Okay? So it, it's real. And I don't want to just leave it here at the church and our deals. I want it to... What is the difficult circumstance that right now you are tempted to give the final word? I want to say to you, don't. Paul wouldn't let prison and chains have the final word. You shouldn't let that circumstance, whether it's work, finances, family, whatever it is, we all have them, and we don't want to give them the final word. A second thing Paul pointed out, uh, difficult people don't get the final word. The people who were harassing and who wanted to see his demise and were preaching the gospel from wrong motives, they didn't get the final word. He's like, it's not about me, so what? If Jesus is preached and if people actually come to Christ, he's bigger. God uses difficult people. Do you know that? I hate that. Because they're difficult. They're not at all like me. I'm delightful, right? What are you laughing so hard for? What? He uses difficult people. That's just the way it is. Because honestly, all of us get a little difficult at times. And God still uses us. He even uses difficult people in positions of power. (laughs) that's even worse a boss a team leader a mayor a governor positions of power romans 9 17 for the scripture says to pharaoh i raised you up for this very purpose that i might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth 
even national leaders. And I want to say to you right now, for those of you who think our current president is the devil or the Antichrist, relax. Relax, okay? Why, thank you. Thank you very much. And for those of you who think he's the Messiah, before you relax, wake up. But then relax. He's just a guy like you and me, okay? God is in control, not people. Okay, understand that. Difficult people don't get the final word. God's are, plans are always bigger, and He will use difficult people, whether they like it or not. Don't give difficult people control. When you kind of make it all about them, oh, I can't because of them, my boss, my, my, my spouse, my whatever, you, you, you make it about some difficult person, you, it's always about them, you're giving them complete control. They don't have it. God does. So don't give it to them. And here's, here's kind of a freebie for you, and I want you to grab onto this. No one can hinder what God wants to do in your life but you. No one can mess it up but you. And you need to understand that is truth. They can't. I don't care if they're the president. I don't care if they're the governor, the mayor, city councilman, your boss, your mom. It doesn't matter. They can't. God is bigger. And he will even use the difficult things they bring to shape you, to mold you, to introduce you to people you need to meet. He'll do all kinds of creative stuff. The only one who can mess it up is you. You know why you can? It's called free will. You can say no to God. God can call you to obey and you can disobey. And that's when you begin to hinder God's work in your life. Good news is all I got to do to unhinder it, start following Jesus. Start walking with Jesus. But that kind of takes a weight off. Difficult people don't get to have the final word. In fact, the secret to facing adversity is remembering that adversity doesn't get the final word. And last, and I'll close with this, um, Paul points out real obviously death doesn't get the final word. Death doesn't get the final word. Death doesn't get the final word. Resurrection changed everything, didn't it? Really, Paul's writing from a whole different place when he says to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, and we need to understand, this is deep stuff here. This is real. I, I'm not, this isn't just positive stuff that, okay, oh, well, we'll talk about it over lunch and then, and then go on with our week and, you know, kind of duke it out in the real world. No, no. This is real. And this is deep. This whole series, I don't think we're going to be able to stay on the surface. Because I want you in your small groups. I want you to wrestle with this and work this deep. Difficult circumstances don't get the final word. Difficult people... Death doesn't get the final word. Resurrection changed all of that. And listen to me, if you don't have to fear death, what really is there to fear? Do you understand what Paul is saying? And, and if you've ever sat by the bedside of someone with a terminal illness who was dying, a believer, if you've ever sat by their bedside and, and talked to them, and they are a mature believer, you have had a, a unique experience because God gives them a grace. He gives them they are already in that place where they understand the truth that sometimes evades us. And that is, eternal life doesn't start when I die. It starts the day I give my life to Jesus. So folks, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're already in eternity. Just because we have a physical body too doesn't matter. We're already eternal. We're already filled with God's presence. The scripture calls it the, the deposit of our inheritance that we have Death is just a transition, and we, we understand it differently. It's not something to be afraid of. And if I'm not afraid of death, what is there to be afraid of? 
There's this holy detachment. And I'm not talking about being aloof and distant. I'm talking about, I realize the best is yet to come. So I enjoy fully what God places here, but I realize it's not at the whim of people, of circumstances, or even of death. And and we have to decide if we really believe this. If we really believe who God is, we believe what we talk about, then this is true. And this will change the way you live if you really live like this is true. Again, 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is unseen, or for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Folks, when we live that reality, we're bulletproof. You're living a whole different deal. You're in a different place. The secret to facing adversity, according to the Apostle Paul, is remembering that adversity doesn't get the final word. God does. And He's good. Amen. You've been listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, where you're invited to visit. The church is located at the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Redland Road, just inside Loop 1604, with Sunday morning service times of 8, 9.30, and 11.15. And there's also a campus in New Braunfels that meets at 10.30. All the details and directions are at the website, reallife.org. And if you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, as we'll continue this series called Under Construction, and hope you join us next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.